I'm going to need to take a pause about 20 minutes in or so to go rotate the water and make sure that's evenly heating. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to go ahead and get my stuff ready. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. A little tired. Uh, I'm glad that the fish has survived the great power apocalypse of uh, 2024. Yeah. You know, we're less than six weeks into the year. and Yeah. We can celebrate that. Yeah. We can. Everybody's fine. Yes. They're the happy little guys. Welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter 9 of the Sea of Monsters. This chapter is called, I have the worst family reunion ever, and I am absolutely confident that that is going to be the worst family reunion in the entire series, you know, besides when he met his uncle. Anyway... (laughs) I am uh, Artemis. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Also uh, also known as uh, a goddess. Uh, also known as Kristen. And this is my co-host. I'm Chris Rodriguez. Oh, I remember him. Hi, Chris. Hi. Also I'm also known, known as Chris. Chris. <laughs> I chose that character specifically for that joke. And that's about the only reason. That's the only reason? Yeah. Because um, nobody knows who Chris Rodriguez yep. is. Uh, we named like 15 <laughs> characters in, in like three chapters ago, just being like, here's a bunch of people we're just going to name for no reason. And now I feel like this is the reason because he wants to just have characters he can call back like to a, later. Like, like old Charles Beckendorf. Yeah, you know, old Charlie. You know that guy. Yeah, I know that guy. Charlie Becks. Charlie Becks. <laughs> so, hey, it's been a while. We haven't recorded this in a... I don't like it when you start this way. The listeners know how long it's been since we released an episode. There's yeah. no hiding this. Okay. I just don't <laughs> like you starting with, here's our failures, and uh-huh. I would just love to talk about our failures You know, for a we've been nailing the live commentary on the uh, yeah, TV show. Yeah, for all three subscribers that we have on Patreon. <laughs> and whose fault is that? Listeners? Yours! It's yours! It's your fault! You're not listening to yeah. our weekly podcast on the Patreon. Yep, you could be a scholar and paying us for the privilege of listening to our dulcet tones, and you're not doing it. Wow. We've been talking about having a Patreon for like two years, and now that we're like eight weeks into having weekly episodes on the Patreon, you're being very antagonistic to yeah. our listeners. That's me. That's what capitalism does to a man. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what it does to a man. That's why it's a flawed system, and we should change it. (laughs) We should overthrow. I'm with Luke on this one. The West (laughs) is going downhill, and we need a complete revamping of the entire program. Yes. Uh, I'm on Luke's side here. He's got some good points about Western civilization. I know. know. We we all know you're on Luke's side. (laughs) Uh, are you are you on the side of this version of Luke because he's like a he's interesting in this he's chapter. He's interesting. It's a it's an interesting chapter. Would you like to uh, tell us how we start this podcast? Oh, uh, we banter. Okay, check. In which we aggressively tell our audience that they're terrible. Yeah, 
for some reason. Uh, how does it feel to be involved in the banter this week, audience? <laughs> um, and then we do our rewrites. So as each of us read the chapter, we do a little bullet point summary of the chapter. And uh, we read those here at the top of the podcast. Here we are at the top. Would you like to do your summary first or would you like me to? Uh, I think you should. All right. So here's mine in no particular order. And by no particular order, I mean chronologically. <laughs> what? Here's my bullet point summary of this chapter in no particular order. Yep, these are just things that happen. They escape from the ship. <laughs> yep. All right. Here we go. Obviously, it's Chris Rodriguez. So much new creature lore. Hey, look, it's Annabeth's Impractical Racism. Luke wears Abercrombie. (laughs) He's also become insufferable. Ooh, new prophecy. I really wanted a dragon fight. And what a short cruise. What a short cruise, indeed. Those are my bullet points. All right, here's mine. Recognizing another camper. What was his name? Seeing training against camp half-blood shirted dummies. Luke caught them. He's recruiting, and he poisoned Thalia? Luke knows details about a prophecy. Is this the prophecy with Annabeth? Quote, little by little, we're calling his life force out of the pit. Unquote. Tyson is stronger than one bear guy. Escape to the lifeboat. Yep. So, this Free is... Free falling! <laughs> that is the thing that happens. Grison, would you be willing to get the light? Because I don't have a lot of reading light over here. Uh-huh. We're following along. You were the last one to walk into this room. You knew you were going to need a light. <clears throat> I'm getting one of the new fizzies. Do you want a new fizzy? Sure. Yeah, for sure celery in the nose there. Yeah. You don't like celery. Are you able to drink that? You want me to bring you uh, no, one that was, of them? That was actually quite good. Okay. <clears throat> the I taste like was it. good, but yeah. for sure it smells like celery. Yep. Fascinating. Love me a yuzu citrus fizzy water that smells like celery. Yuzu and celery. Goodness gracious, it's celery. That's what we have to deal with now that ahas aren't a thing anymore. <gasps> These are the flavor combos we get. So anyway... Um, so we're on the Princess Andromeda. Yes. We're on the weird zombie monster cruise ship. They are packing their stuff and heading out once they hear Luke walking by talking to someone. We're sneaking around corridors. Uh, they get up to deck 13, obviously, where the Admiralty Suite is, because of course it would be on deck 13. Yeah, they follow the you are here signs until they get to the Admiralty Suite, which I'm curious as to why they just decided to head there. Because mm-hmm. I don't think in the last chapter we overheard Luke mention anything about it, did we? I think we did. It was Luke beyond a doubt. I could never forget his voice. I'm not pushing you. I'm just saying if the gamble doesn't pay off, it'll pay off. They'll take the bait. Now come. We've got to get to the Admiralty Suite and check on the casket. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so they're going that direction. And so they go up there. They've got to hide from a couple more people having some kind of conversation. There's mention of an Ethiopian dracon, 
which yes. I'm assuming is some kind of dragon. I didn't look up uh, a picture of like what this creature looked like because it's totally a real creature, and you can look up pictures of what these are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one in the cargo hold. Apparently, there's more coming. Cool. Annabeth recognizes one of the voices as being Chris Rodriguez, obviously one of the Hermes cabin, ma- cabin members who was there last summer but did not show up this summer for unknown reasons. Hey, look, he joined Luke's cause and is on Luke's fun monster ship. Uh, and they catch a snippet of conversation between those two. They come through and look out upon the uh, the giant canyon running through the center of the ship where the big shopping mall is. They see a crowd of monsters and such gathered around, including Scythian Dracane, another monster mention. Yeah. Like we're introducing like all kinds of creatures. Yeah, in we introduce a ton of creatures in this, this book as a whole, but you know... It's not like the book's about monsters. Not at all, no. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they put monster in the title of the book or anything. So I don't know why there's so many monsters in this. I don't have the slightest idea. Sea of monsters. Who knows? (laughs) So they see this uh, circle, this semicircle of monsters surrounding somebody, some kid wearing. Well, is it a circle or a semicircle, Chris? I'm getting conflicting messages here. I'm going to say it's a semicircle because it says semicircle right here on the text. Wow. Wow. A various monster surrounding this kid in Greek armor who is hacking away at a straw dummy. And I just wanted to point out the absurdity of this scene because they see this and everybody gets like so worked up because like the dummy that he's hacking away at is wearing a Camp Half-Blood t-shirt. And this guy in the armor stabs the dummy like it makes straw explode everywhere. The monsters cheered and howled. So... They they are all standing around. There's there's like a group of monsters watching a guy attack a straw dummy. Yep, and, and he cheer su- because he successfully he successfully hits a straw dummy. A straw dummy, and then they all cheer. Yep, I'm just like, that's not a thing that would happen. Nope. Nobody cares that you successfully hit a scarecrow. Yep. It- <laughs> yep. Yep. Except that it is a major part of cult building. Uh huh. To like build that kind of camaraderie and like put people in a center of like praise Mm -hmm. in their new community that they've been absorbed into. Yeah. And having them enact some kind of violence against a symbol of their past and cheering that is a very key part of new recruits into some kind of military militant, uh, rebel, cult-like, etc. Kristen's I, been watching a lot of cult documentaries. I have. That's true. <laughs> so I also have a lot of first-hand experience, so... Mm, love a celery juice. Yeah. <laughs> love, some, love some celery fizzy water. Let's just... Uh, I mean, it is on. refreshing. It's not bad. It's refreshing. I thought you didn't like celery. I, I like it in... I love it in a mirepoix. Like, in a good soup or, like, a mirepoix, celery really brings a good backbone to it. Yeah, I don't really like... enjoying this fizzy soup. <laughs> anyway, this is not a this is not a soup cast. <laughs> nor, nor is it a fizzy water <laughs> cast either, but... But, Coke, we are calling you out for getting rid of the AHA brand. Why did we're... you do this to us? We haven't had to look for a new fizzy water since the AHAs came out to begin with. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's sad. Anyway, so they move on from seeing this scene. 
Then they stop to hear something again. They're overhearing. There's a lot of overheard conversations in this chapter. They stop outside the Admiralty Suite. They hear voices inside. Um, they can't hear voices. Tyson can. Tyson can. Tyson can hear voices. Um, Tyson can make his voice sound like other people's voices. Apparently. Which is really cool because he's like his own little speaker box. Yeah. It's like Tyson like is a not. a passable impression of Luke. Yeah. Tyson is not like the most eloquent guy in general, but apparently he can perfectly copy people's speech patterns and not voices. Not perfectly, but he can, he's repeating what he's hearing. Yeah. And he's doing it in voices. Yeah. So is that, a, I don't know, I didn't look to see if that was a thing in the lore or if Cyclopses are like mimics or if that's a thing that happens. Well, you should probably check. Could be. I should check. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Tyson does this uh, pretty accurate recreation of this conversation between somebody we recognize as Luke and someone else with a uh, gruff voice. And I did want to touch on this conversation because they mentioned several things which I feel are maybe worthy of discussion. So the first quote that he says is <clears throat> an approximation of Luke's voice, which is uh, dash. It's cut in like we're in media res here. The prophecy ourselves, the fools won't know which way to turn. Uh, and then some other guy who's not Luke says, you really think the old horseman has gone for good. We're referring to Chiron here. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously referring to Chiron, and then Luke says, They can't trust him, not with the skeletons in his closet. The poisoning of the tree was the final straw. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Let's speculate. Speculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know, because we know because we've read this chapter, later on in this chapter, Luke admits to poisoning the tree. Basically. Yeah. Uh, so it is Luke who poisoned the tree. However. But the tree successfully being poisoned. Yeah. And Chiron failing to protect the tree to begin with yeah. is one of the reasons that he got kicked out and replaced. Yeah. Like, that's discussed earlier in the book. Yeah. What do we What do we think are the skeletons in Chiron's closet, though? What do, you, what do we think he's got going on? Oh, I'm sure there's dozens. The guy's been around for thousands of years. We're also talking about him serving the same people who, like, raped mm-hmm. Medusa. Like, what do we... What... I do think the line of them saying they can't trust him is interesting, when this is a camp that employs Dionysus, who actively threatens to murder the children. Yep. And also... Tantalus. Also Tantalus, who is comically evil. Yeah. And between those two, we're just like, oh no, they can, we can't let Chiron back in. Obviously, the things he's done are too dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. Um, And then in the middle of this, Annabeth uh, is just like, oh, stop it, Tyson, that's creepy. Don't give us this very helpful information. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like Annabeth's uh, blatant racism toward the Cyclopses is really uh, hindering them here. Yep. Which we address a little bit later in this chapter, like, uh, and we do imply that Annabeth has some sort of latent trauma yeah. involving a Cyclops Yep. in their time before camp. We'll probably address that later, but I just thought that was worth pointing out here. But when I do Google whether or not um, Cyclopses can mimic voices, mm-hmm. the first four results have to do with this book. All right, so that's not so, a thing in the lore. I don't the, know. Okay. Like, beyond that, there are some articles from, like, 1999 and things mm-hmm. like that from, like, a little earlier. Yeah. Historically, like, that come up, but I didn't actually, like, take the time to read them. Yeah. But, yeah. 
and right after that, they realize in the room that they're, like, somebody makes a noise outside. Probably this explanation from Annabeth tips them off. Yeah. Because she's the one who's like, shut up. And they know somebody's outside. And before they have a chance to turn and run away, Luke appears. A couple of guards, a couple of very hairy men. Shirtless, uh, thick coats of hair. They look bear-like. Very hairy, half-bear men. Yep. Are there with spears threatening them. They bring him into the room. What's the difference between a spear and a javelin? Uh, javelin is a thrown weapon. Mm-hmm. Spears usually longer, has a longer uh, bladed tip on it, where a javelin is more pointy and it's meant to be thrown. I'm pretty sure spears they have are... javelins, not spears. Okay. Cool. Well, if there's anyway. no discernible difference, then it doesn't matter. But I mean, if there's a yeah. difference, I'm pretty sure it says they had javelins pointed at us. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, despite the javelins pointed at me, javelins it wasn't the tips. bear yeah. twins who scared me. Yes. Anywho, so they go in. We have the Admiralty Suite, and it's very well appointed. There is a Persian rug, a mahogany dining table filled with uh, pizza boxes, bottles of soda, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. There's a velvet dice. We just have bottles of soda in general. We're not specifically mentioning Coke. No, it's not Coke. Coke. It's not Coke. And we know that Luke really likes Coke. It could be a Pepsi product. It could be Mountain Dew. So we got the Coke sponsorship, so we can't like be like, oh, there's Mountain Dew on the table. Mm. Anyway, so there's a velvet dais at the back of the room, and there's a 10-foot-long golden casket and uh, engraved with ancient Greek scenes of uh, cities in flames, heroes dying, etc., etc., so there, and there's this uh, just general sense of unease and cold that that brings into the room. Chilly. And so then we introduce new Luke, who has ditched his like you know Bermuda shorts and cam T-shirt, and he's wearing we're, now a. We're coming up to one of my favorite sentences, so. Okay. You can you can go ahead and say what he's wearing, but my favorite sentence is the one that starts with "He looked like." <laughs> okay, I had like three favorite sentences, and that's because there was a lot of great sentences that I really liked. You want to go ahead and do them right now since they're uh, relevant, or? Uh, I'd have to look for where the first one is. Okay. Well, never mind. Continue. So Luke's standing there. He's traded in his old look for a button-down. He's wearing khakis and leather loafers. Can I describe him with my favorite sentence? Sure. Well, my favorite sentence is, of course. He looked like an evil male model, showing off what the fashionable college villain was wearing to Harvard this year. <laughs> that guy. I'd make a Zoolander reference, but you've never seen that movie, so you wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> Don't help me. That's completely culturally inept in my uh, culturally 15 years behind podcast. But, 20 years? But why male models? But why male <laughs> models? Anyway. I know many people who loved Zoolander. It is much like Napoleon Dynamite, where I could probably quote 30% to 50% of the film, Mm -hmm. at least its quotable lines, and still have never seen it. Gotcha. Yes, that's me saying I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite, dear listeners. I'm still married to her. Anyway, um, so we have a... In the year of our Lord, 2024. (laughs) We have... Should we point out his various accoutrements that are uh, around the room, like his sword, etc.? Yep, backbiter's still there. There's magic chairs that uh, respond to him waving his hand. Apparently, that's kind of cool. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> like, he waves his hand and three chairs just immediately scoot out from a table. Like, yeah. Like, apparently he has telekinesis now. That's 
I don't think that he has that, but I think that there's some kind of like magic to those chairs. Like it's kind of crazy that like that was, I I I kind of like question marked that part. Yeah. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, uh, the twins that are on either side of him that are his, like, lackeys or guards, bodyguards, whatever. We get into it about Aphrodite and Artemis. We do, and we introduce them. These are Agrius and Orius, 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 sure. something like that, which I'm sure come from, like, an actual Greek myth, so I didn't bother to do research and write it down. Probably earlier, one involving Artemis and Aphrodite. Which I didn't bother to do research because he tells a version of it right here, so we can just go off of that. Uh, that Would you like to tell us about this uh, this origin story? Well, if we want to get into like the actual story, we actually have a name for the mother. Uh, her name is Polyphonte, which is not mentioned in the book. But pretty much the way that Luke presents it is, kind of, is in line with what a basic Wikipedia entry um, says. Mm-hmm. Um in that Aphrodite punished Polyphonte because she followed Artemis and not Aphrodite. Uh, because she became a devotee to the virgin goddess, uh-huh. Artemis. Um, and Aphrodite made her to couple with a bear, um, which resulted in the birth of her two savage children. Um, and then this quote here that I get um, on the Wikipedia article, which is from Antonius Liberalis, um, says, She, i.e. Polyphonte, brought forth two children, Agrius and Aureus, huge and of immense strength. They honored neither God nor man, but scorned them all. So... There you go. But apparently not Luke, because Luke's convinced them to work for him. Well, and Luke also tries to make this argument that they're totally fine with, uh, you know, half-bloods. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> you know, Aureus is just kind of like, meh, nah, not really. And Agrius is like, shut up. Yeah. <clears throat> At least I'm pretty sure that's who says what. Because they make it sound like Agrius is the smart one and Aureus is the dummy. Yes, that is how it's presented. Okay. Uh, but it does continue this theme of Luke collecting people that have been scorned by the gods in some way or another. Yeah. And, like, he's building up this movement of people that, like, have a grudge against Olympus for one reason or Absolutely. another. Which is, you know, probably a lot of people and creatures and whatnot out there. Yeah. So Is Luke doing this? Through Kronos, sure. Is Kronos doing this using Luke? Yeah. Yeah. More likely. I don't uh, think Luke is the mastermind behind any of this. I think Luke is a pawn. Yeah. He's a useful pawn. Maybe maybe he's like a bishop. <laughs> he's that pawn that makes it to the other side of the board and takes it turned into a queen. That's the one. He's <laughs> so he he sits down and very much starts a little uh little super villain like I'm in my lounge kind of uh, conversation of just being like, hey, Percy, how's your mom? How's camp? How's this going? Like, I'm just going to sit here and be smug and smarmy and insufferable. Uh, and Percy's immediately like, hey, you poisoned Thalia's tree. And Luke's just like, well, yeah, straight sure. Straight to business. Oh, well, yeah, whatever. Uh, there's an argument about who's dishonoring who because Annabeth is accusing Luke of dishonoring her. And then Luke is just like, nah, you did that. Look at you, like, traipsing around with a cyclops. Well, no, like, no, no, no. He specifically says the gods dishonored her, and look yeah. at what you're doing. Yeah. 
and like you're going right along with it so like it's totally not my fault like completely shifting the blame here like as you know yeah i totally poisoned someone but it's the god's yeah, fault. yeah absolutely it wasn't my fault at all uh and then goes on to rant about how the west is rotten uh kind of the thing same thing he said at the end of the last book of like we need to dethrone the gods we can start the world over uh etc etc we make some mention about annabeth uh having history with the cyclops and how that dishonors salia I'm sure we'll get there later. We will. And talk more about what happens there. Have you looked this up already? No, but um, I got enough information from just trying to read the summaries of those first four results. Uh-huh. That I, I know I know that we do get information about it in the book. Okay. I don't have details, obviously, but... Uh, and then Luke knows a surprising amount of information about their quest and exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, he's even got the coordinates, coordinates which the I, police. which we were so upset at him for saying to begin with, but yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, but apparently he has spies at camp. Luke's still got people at camp that are reporting to him. Shocking. It's almost like he's got a ton of siblings there. Uh, so yeah, Luke talks about how he knows everything. He still has spies at camp. He knows everything. Yes. Uh, tries to kind of talk Percy into, again, joining his side, mentions a thing about a prophecy and about Percy's 16th birthday. Which, we had something about a prophecy that Chiron had kind of in his back pocket. Yes. That specifically, like, Annabeth was waiting for Percy to show up because she needed somebody to, like, kind of kick off this prophecy. Yeah. So we knew that there was... And prophecy out there floating around. Yeah. But we had zero details about it. We still have zero details about it. Mm -hmm. But we know a little more about it now than we did that it does involve Percy's 16th birthday. Yeah. And I am curious about timing on that because if we're going with the idea that every book is another year at camp, Percy is currently 12 in book two. So in book five, he would be 15 turning 16. So whatever this prophecy is wouldn't really come into play until the end of book five, unless there's some kind of time jump Yeah, at some point here. Which I think makes sense Yeah, to be like, this is the timeline of him getting to be this age. And like, that's why it was originally just a five book series, because we or, wrapped up the or, prophecy yeah. in that or, time. Or this is serious foreshadowing to, you know, book six, which didn't exist you know, conceptually when he wrote this. Maybe it did. I don't know. I don't know. Riordan's mind. But, uh... What? <laughs> I specifically hired you as a co-host because you had insight into Rick Reardon's mind. Yeah. I, I have him on speed dial. Let me just text him real quick. Yeah, please do. You're like, when are you writing this Why? Book? Why do you need him on speed dial and then be able to text him? Like, isn't that just like a redundant level of interaction? It really is. So, there's this back and forth between... Luke and Percy, and then Tyson gets upset that Luke calls Percy a fool, charges him, gets Stop. basically restrained and stopped by the Bear Twins, who together are more than a match for Tyson. Yep. Hint, hint, minor foreshadowing, because we resolve this literally in the next page, so it's not like a huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Percy mentions... Hermes, which Luke is just like, nope. And there's like, the the way this is phrased is really weird to me because the quote is, don't hyphen even hyphen mention him. Which is a weird way to like have an angry explanation. Don't even mention him. 
Uh, in my book, that's page 129. I don't know what it is in yours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that's not actually a hyphen. That's an M dash. Thank you. Appreciate your knowledge. Significantly longer and has different intended meaning. Yeah. Luke gets super angry, rants about how he wants to destroy Olympus, how the gods don't care about anybody. Of course, we're bringing back Kronos. We're slowly reforming him, apparently, piece by piece with everybody. Not reforming, but reforming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, building him a new body with every recruit who pledges to our cause. We're, we're just getting more of him back. So we're slowly building Kronos uh, in this little sarcophagus. This is in the room back here. And then again goes... Uh, Which is really creepy. It's really creepy. We're building a new body for him. Yeah. That. That's how you do. And then... He kind of finishes up this rant with another offer to Annabeth being, or and Percy. I'm just... Trying to tempt them both, being like, yeah, we can get you whatever you want. Like, join us. Like, rich, famous. Annabeth, you can follow your dreams. You can actually become an architect, which you're actually never going to do if you don't join me. Like, really? (laughs) What a diss that is. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, if she's trying to, like, do all these quests and fight all this stuff, like, yeah, no, she's not going to have time for architecture school. Yeah, and she... Denies them, obviously. Luke calls in zombie security guards. Yep. Don't know why he needs the security guards when he has the bear twins there. Because but. he needs to talk to Agrius. Yeah. Because he needs to talk to Agrius, so uh-huh. he needs to have some backup support for Aureus to go take them away. Which they're going to take him down below decks to uh, see about that dra- Dracon. Dracon. <laughs> the Dracon. And uh, feed him to whatever that thing is. Uh, now, on the subject of dragons and dracons and how we didn't have a dragon fight. Yeah. In the description of, you know, how Luke look, looked like an evil male model. Yes. <laughs> we specifically mentioned that he has the scar under his eye from a fight with a dragon. Yeah, which I did note that and I... I feel like that was probably mentioned in passing in book one. I don't think it was at all. Okay. I think that it was, uh, that he had the scar was mentioned, and that it happened on his quest, which was the last quest that was approved. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Uh, Dear scholars, listeners, let us know if we missed that, and there is actually a reference to a dragon fight in the first book, because I don't recall that, but I figured it was there. Yeah. So security takes them out. Agrius, apparently the the smarter of the bear twins, is staying behind. They've got but to discuss important stuff. But is pointing out actively, my brother's not. And Luke cuts him off and just goes, "He is totally fine. Just yeah. send him. Just send him." And so they are walking down the corridor, being marched down to below decks with the security. And Percy obviously understands the foreshadowing that Tyson's probably stronger than one of these bears. Yep. Sends him a signal, and Tyson's just like, cool, yep, got it. Throws Aureus backwards. Just says now or something like that. (laughs) Secret signal. Yeah, very secret. secret. Now. (laughs) Very subtle. It's code word. Uh, <laughs> well, because they have to get away before they end up in the elevator going into the lower decks. And for some reason, they're being walked along the ship side. Yeah. Like, 
they came into this place via the inner walkway. Yeah. So how did they get to this outer walkway to begin with? Yeah. Anyway, books are weird. <laughs> they are. So there's a little bit of a scuffle. Security guard uh, draws a nightstick. There's a, there's a back and forth. One of them runs, throws the on an alarm. The one that Percy was on. Yeah. It's all Percy's fault. Throws an alarm. Some of the uh, the Stygians, is that what they are? Stygians. Yeah, the Stygians show up, who are the uh, oh, the, the Lastragonians. Sorry, not the Stygians. Yeah. Stygian birds were Yeah, Stygian thing. birds. We had the Lastragonians. Lastragonian. Uh, more of those guys show up. There's archers. They are firing volleys of arrows into them as they're trying to escape. They're going for a lifeboat trying to get off the ship. Yep. Go get Percy him. cuts the rope because they can't get it down any other way, and we are free falling. Yep, we fall off the ship in a lifeboat off the side, and we are now no longer on the Princess Andromeda. That was quick. We just got here. Yep. So that's what happens in the chapter. There you go. Anything that we missed? Your favorite sentence. Well, I had two. Are we doing it right now? Well, I already did mine, so we missed yours. Well, my... Give us both. Yeah. So I had two that I was going back and forth on, and I had a third that I lost. Uh, but my first one was his face turned the color of pepperoni. <laughs> it's great. That was great. That mm-hmm. is a great one. Uh, and then the other one was, we are not having a blast in the pool. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a really good one. We are not uh, having a blast. No. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, cool. I want a shirt that says that on it. Yeah. We're not having a blast in the pool. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the chapter. We escape from the uh, Princess Andromeda. We learn more about Luke's evil plot. It's it's not really a family reunion. They meet Luke. I mean, he's who's their a cousin. cousin. Yeah. But like. It's a family reunion. What, uh, meeting one cousin does not a family reunion make. Except that, <laughs> and they're in the room with a you know old grandpa's corpse reforming. <laughs> old, old grandpappy's corpse in yep. the uh, in the coffin. Yep. Cool. So that is that chapter. Um, I have a feeling they get rescued by some dead Confederates. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want to give away what the next chapter is yeah. about because not uh, yet. That's part of my sign off. Uh, anything that you want to discuss or talk about that we missed? Uh, the only thing that I really wanted to touch on was the fact that this version of the story of like Artemis and Aphrodite and the and the Bear Twins mm-hmm. is the least sanitized version of any story we've gotten so far. Yeah, pretty pretty spot on. Other than other than Krusty killing people with the beds. Uh huh. This is the least sanitized version of any of the stories that relate to the gods that we've gotten in any of the story thus far, first book, second book. Yeah. And I appreciated that that was a thing. I also am just, like, super intrigued that we have Luke presenting it in this way. And Luke, as the voice giving us this story, is not going to be trusted fully. Yeah. Because he's literally saying this, like, two sentences after Percy's like, he looked like a villain. Yeah. He's the villain. Yeah. He's the bad guy. Uh We're going to talk about him like he's the bad guy. Like, so we put that in this way where it's like, okay, well, he's going to tell this story. And it's coming from the bad guy, so whatever. Yeah. 
but it is the most accurate presentation of how the how the myths and traditions actually do present these things. Yeah. Which I think is, I don't know, it's just worth thinking about. Yeah. The choice made there. Cool. Other than that, I didn't have any other major notes. We kind of hit on everything already. Yeah. We'll see uh, how accurately we are, or how accurately, I guess not accurately, how faithful we are to the uh, tone of the mythology in the future in the series. Yeah. I do know, and I, I have had it spoiled for me, that the general tone of the books never really changes. Okay. And that's going into like the, the brand new books as well. Where it's there's there's less of a thing going on than what had happened with like Harry Potter, where or like it matures and gets matures, more yeah. intense. Yeah. yeah, so that doesn't happen here, from what I know. Okay. Well, I was gonna say one of the other things that I thought about in the first book, we have this idea of Thalia's tree, Thalia's tree, Thalia's tree, always presented as Thalia's tree. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have this dream that Percy has. Where Thalia is speaking to him. Uh-huh. And we think maybe Thalia might still have some element of her essence still alive, question mark. But also it's a dream. Yeah. So is it is it really Thalia? Um, and we have this talk about, like, he poisoned Thalia's tree. But when I wrote my summary, I wrote he poisoned Thalia. Because in my mind, she's still alive and she's her essence is still in the tree. And that's how the tree is enchanted to protect the camp. And so I'm like, Luke is like literally killing his friend who saved her, his life. Like yeah. she, but, you know, they're talking about it in the context here of like, you're dishonoring her and her memory. Yeah. And what she stood for. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting that. I have this, like, thing going, like, oh, yeah, she's definitely going to be a character. Like, Maybe. But I don't know. some point. Yeah. That'll show up. Oh, shall we move on to our last segment? Sure. All right. What are we doing this one, Chris? Well, Chris. <laughs> after we read the chapters, each of us writes a rewrite. Mm-hmm. I hope. Uh, I hope you did. Yes, I did. We rewrite the chapter from a different perspective, also uh, known as moving the camera or, you know, just a general rewrite. Yeah. Uh, perspective shift. And we tell the chapter from someone else's point of view. Yep. Uh, yours is very long. Okay. Mine, <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I did not get inspired with this one. So I, as I said, mine was really low effort. So if you'd like me to go first, if you've got a, if you've got a killer... Uh, I don't know if mine's a killer rewrite, but you can go ahead and give us uh, Chris's perspective. Sure. Weird (laughs) that I have that. All right. So as you know, this is the the chapter from the perspective of uh, Chris Rodriguez. So I like lizards, okay? Sue me. Ideals are great and all. Freedom... Sure. Standing up to the gods who've been using us for centuries and making sure that they get what's coming to them, I'm here for that too. But really, it's the creatures. What what do we get at Camp Half-Blood? Satyrs? Dryads? They, they don't count. The occasional hellhound? Yeah, exciting, but like not worth all the other kids freaking out for a whole week afterwards. But here, a whole ship full of monsters... On a sea of monsters? 
How could I have said no? Basilisk? Got one. Dragon? You better believe we have one unlock and two on the way. Rumor at the shuffleboard court even says we might get a Hydra. I know, right? Luke and me don't always see eye to eye on, on everything, but he's the one with the plan, and he knows how to put together one heck of a menagerie. So, for now, I'm on board. Literally. <laughs> so, there you go. All right. This is, uh, my one thing that I know about Chris Rodriguez is he was excited about a dragon. Love lizards. All right. <clears throat> Here is mine. Mm-hmm. The voice in the hallway seemed to be an echo. Strange for it to start and stop, but then it said something new. We were being listened to. The voice in the hallway seemed just to be an echo. Strange for it to start and stop, but then it said something new. We were being listened to. There's someone here, Luke, I said. Quiet. Are you sure? Yes, right outside. The doors opened easily as I lifted my javelin with my brother. Luke recognized the intruders and moved to speak with them. More recruits, I suppose. Useless little heroes. Luke talks a lot, but it was easy to see the Cyclops' moves before he swung at the little man we are protecting or assisting for now. I don't really care how he does this convincing, but Luke does seem to have a gift for bringing in the strays. Not these ones, though. I tried to insist that my brother was not capable of controlling the Cyclops alone, but Luke was stupid and told me to wait with him and send my brother alone. The alarm really didn't take long, and it didn't surprise me. How they got in the lifeboat? Well, I don't know. Cool. There you go. So you phoned that one in too. Got it. <laughs> I tried. Oh, thank you. Okay, sorry. Thank you for trying. What do you mean I phoned it in? <laughs> Just because you couldn't listen to it in a coherent way because yeah. the dog wouldn't shut up next door. Yeah, that'll be fun to edit. Good luck with that. That'll be fine. Cool. Hey, look, we did a regular episode. Yep. What fun. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters Chapter 9. Join us next week as we discuss Chapter 10, We Hitch a Ride with Dead Confederates. That'll be fun. Did you have any other things? Uh, you you made it sound like you were done in signing off, so I just went ahead and did the sign off. Sorry. No, that's good. Cool. Good to go. So until next time. You know, when your cousin tries to convince you to overthrow the gods, I don't know, maybe uh, listen to him a little more. Pretend to go along with him at least. You don't have to, like, run away from people. You just escape a little more easily. Anyway, um, that's just my advice. You, your thoughts? I agree. Okay. And as for my advice, when you're... Uh thinking about fighting back wait until there's one bear yeah just one yeah Yeah. (laughs) don't try to take on two no obviously cool bye bye
So they see this uh, circle, this semicircle of monsters surrounding somebody, some kid wearing... Well, is it a circle or a semicircle, Chris? I'm getting conflicting messages here. Needs to talk to Argus. Argus? Agrius. Yeah. Because he needs to talk... Uh, so would you like... Okay. We are not having a blast in the pool. <laughs> yes. I don't know where Arden's mind. But, uh... What? You were the last one to walk into this room. You knew you were going to need a light. <clears throat> I'm getting one of the new fizzies. Do you want a new fizzy? Sure. Yeah, for sure celery in the nose there. Yeah. You don't like celery. Are you able to drink that? You want me to bring you uh, no, one that one's, of them? That one's actually quite good. Okay. Brings a good backbone to it. Yeah, I don't I'm really like... enjoying this fizzy soup. <laughs> anyway, this is not a this is not a soup cast. <laughs> nor, nor is it a fizzy water <laughs> cast either, but... But Coke, we are calling you out for getting rid of the AHA brand. Why did we're... you do this to us? We haven't had to look for a new fizzy water since the ahas came out to begin with yeah 